Welcome back to It Could Have Been Worse, a podcast where we tell stories, sometimes inspired by real-life events and sometimes inspired by the things dwelling in our minds. These stories are our attempts to entertain. I am your host, Josh. Thank you for joining us at It Could Have Been Worse. Episode 8 of Season 3 of It Could Have Been Worse. Today we have two stories. Our first story is the start of an epic adventure titled El Bobo's Adventure. Our second story is the eighth part of a full season series titled Josh. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe and share. We'll have new episodes coming every Monday and be sure to check out our pod page at podpage.com slash it could have been worse. And if you like our stories, consider donating to our listener support on our anchor page at the link in the description. El Bobo's Adventure The sun was high in the sky when El Bobo woke. He was seemingly in the middle of nowhere and was confused as to how he had gotten here. He wore lightweight yet durable clothing dyed a deep green along with some sort of cap that felt as if it was absolutely necessary for protection. As he rose from his confused slumber he rubbed his eyes. Lying beside El Bobo was a durable shield emblazoned with the cross. Was he a holy knight? He couldn't recall. He took stock of his situation. Unharmed physically, he decided he needed to begin to search for answers. He scanned the area around him, soft sand surrounded by sheer impassable cliffs lie to the south. To the north, he sees a tall mountain with a canyon leading north beyond it and what looks to be a cave entrance. Canyons lie to the east and west, leading to valleys beyond. Uncertainty and trepidation danced around El Bobo's thoughts, but he easily pushed them aside and made a choice. He might need to make camp inside the cave when night falls. There's no way of knowing who or what might be trying to harm him. El Bobo makes the trek to the cave within the hour. As he approaches, he glances back and around the area he's about to exit. Nothing visible, but he feels eyes on him from somewhere unseen. He pushes on and enters the dark cave. The path twists slightly before he can see a soft orange glow reflecting off the somewhat damp cave walls. He hesitates. It might be an aggressor's camp, and he could be walking into a trap, unarmed. El Bobo approaches slowly with a bit more caution. Perhaps they're friendly. As he rounds the corner, he sees an elderly man, balding at the top with a long flowing beard and dressed in simple robes. I've been expecting you, El Bobo. The voice is confident and wise. El Bobo's eyes widen and his heart begins to race. Please, child. I mean only to help you. Come a bit closer as I lack the strength to move as I once had. El Bobo takes a cautious step forward. How do you know my name? A smirk appears on the elderly man's face. It is a long story, child, yet one you must partake in. El Bobo is ever so slightly bothered by this phrase. I have even more questions and answers now. I can only help you along your way. He turns to retrieve something from behind him. El Bobo races in anticipation for an attack, but also curious as to what the old man is getting at. Come closer, El Bobo. You must take this. It shall be your companion. As long as you hold fast to it, you will never be alone. He reveals an old sword. Take this. 
Elbobo approaches slowly and accepts the blade, somewhat dulled from obvious use, but a weapon to defend himself with nonetheless. He wields it in his right hand, then his left. It feels more natural in his left hand, and the shield in his right. Remember, Elbobo, the sword can be used for defense or to kill. The way you use it is up to you. Follow your heart and be true to your path. What is my path, old man? I have no idea why I'm here or where here even is. This is all new to me, but also a little familiar in a way. The old man stirs from his restful seat and approaches El Bobo, much more quickly than El Bobo expected him to move. The man places a strong and battle-worn hand on El Bobo's left shoulder. He clasps him firmly and gives a light shake. The ever-expanding kingdom of Hymor. Did you not hear the cry of the captured princess? Searching through the haze, El Bobo recalls a dream. A dream of a beautiful woman calling out to him, to anyone for help. The dream begins to feel more and more like a memory, distant and clouded, but still present somewhere deep in his mind. I do recall something. He pauses and his eyes roll around in their sockets as he searches his mind. How do I find the princess? The old man's face fills with concern. You should know this already. You must collect the trinkets of power from the guardians. Are you truly unaware of your quests? El Bobo's face looks dejected as a sorrowful frown draws itself sharply across the lower half. His eyes turn downward and he shuffles uneasily in place. I am, he says sheepishly. The old man's eyes look upon El Bobo with kindness. I will guide you, understand? You must search the lands for the Guardian's dungeons. Small maze-like fortresses designed to keep adventurers from acquiring the pieces of power that lie within. Each fort is defended by many foes. Their only purpose is your demise. The captured princess will be killed on the final hour of the Blood Moon to give the evil King Gonor the power he needs to overtake Hymor. El Bobo feels as if he's heard this before, but is still a bit confused. The old man continues. She is the reincarnation of the Supreme Goddess, or so it's been said, and the release of her spirit will find vessel in the invading king upon completion of the rite of taking. Elbobo's heart races. Is this all resting on his shoulders? Is he the sole defender against the evil King Gonor? You must hurry, Elbobo. The princess doesn't have much time. I can lead you to the nearest fortress that lies north of this cave. If you require my aid in the future, you may seek me out, along with the other elders and merchants that dwell in this land. El Bobo steals his nerves and regards the elderly man with a nod. He will save the princess. He must. To avoid a war between the two nations? He hopes it will subvert a war at least. He holds strong onto the sword in his left hand and keeps the shield poised to defend in his right. El Bobo exits the cave and the bright sunlight washes over him, bathing him in warmth. The old man told me to travel north to overtake the nearest fortress. He remembers the old man's words. He gazes across the land once more and begins placing one foot in front of the other. El Bobo skirts the edge of the mountain and heads north through a small chasm. On the other side lies another valley with stones placed nearly equally apart in an odd pattern. Beyond those stones lies another cave and yet more canyons to the east and west. 
I may as well explore the cave. There may be another guide or possibly treasure to help me in my journey. El Bobo crosses the sands and nears the cave until suddenly, smoke erupts from the land and several creatures appear from the clouds. Large, red, tentacled abominations with enormous mouths crawled around aimlessly. They would fire projectiles from somewhere deep within them at anything that moved in their line of sight, sometimes hitting those among their ranks. They moved slow enough that El Bobo couldn't outmaneuver them easily, but he could see how a whole group could overwhelm him if he weren't careful. El Bobo decided to thin their numbers. It would be much easier to approach the cave without any distractions. He neared the creatures and they seemed to move even more erratically than before, almost in a frenzy of a fresh kill, yet still wandering mindlessly. El Bobo was able to get near the creatures enough to strike. One simple slash of his new companion made quick work of the monsters. A stone-like projectile sailed within inches of El Bobo's head at a speed that could have surely been his end if it had connected. He turned quickly and saw one of the beasts approaching rapidly, tentacles groping ahead and waving wildly. It seemed to need a moment to reload its projectile, and El Bobo used the time to move in for a strike, when suddenly another of the octopus-like monsters rounded a nearby stone, ready to fire. El Bobo had already begun his swing on the first creature, felling it just as the second let fly its projectile. It struck El Bobo's arm hard and he dropped to the ground in pain, but quickly recovered in a lunging strike at the aggressor. The beast fell to the ground and currency erupted from its mouth. Five dars gleamed blue in the bright sunlight, and El Bobo scooped them up. Three more creatures remained, but the cave's entrance was too close for El Bobo to not consider its relative safety. He quickly dashed inside and out of sight of those horrible creatures. Inside, El Bobo found a strange man sitting behind a small pile of bombs, a large key, and a small heart-shaped pendant. In front of the items sat signs with numbers, presumably donating each item's price. El Bobo approached the man and asked, Are these for sale? The strange man said nothing, only pointing at the signs. El Bobo removed the dar from his wallet and held it aloft for the man to see. Is this what you're asking for? The strange man, again, said nothing, but gestured a raised thumb in approval. I only have this one, El Bobo said to the still silent man as he stared unblinking. Feeling uneasy, El Bobo backed out of the cave and decided to continue his quest. Back outside, El Bobo was dismayed to see the same puffs of smoke as before and a brand new batch of similar beasts emerge. They began to frenzy again and quickly swarmed El Bobo. Stone-like projectiles seemed to come from all directions. El Bobo was able to dodge some, but was struck by two at a time and defended a third with his shield. In a fit of anger, he spun on his heel and extended his sword out like a top. He was able to fell four of the beasts, but was feeling weak. In his head, he could hear his heart beating in pain, as if warning him he was near death. In a panic, he rushed headlong towards one of the remaining two creatures and used his shield to defend an attack, then struck the thing dead. It dropped a heart-shaped pendant, and El Bobo quickly grabbed it. The heart pounding stopped and he felt a bit better, as if his health had been restored from the pendant. He opened his hand and the trinket had vanished. Invigorated anew, El Bobo launched an attack on the final foe. He closed the gap swiftly and made short work of the creature. He needed to decide which way to go. The path to the east looks to have mountains that go on for miles and miles. The path to the west just might be the best way to get around and continue north. El Bobo travels west hoping near the edge of the mountain soon. Ahead, El Bobo sees a group of the creatures surrounding a deep blue-colored octopus-looking creature. The mountain range opens up right next to where the creatures are resting. 
El Bobo has no choice but to fight them to continue on, but wants to be smart about it to avoid injury. I wish I had a bow or something to attack them from long range, he laments. El Bobo approaches cautiously, hoping to take them by surprise, but is unaware that they have excellent hearing and can hear the crunching of the sand beneath his boots. They turn on him quickly and attack together, although uncoordinated. The blue creature attacks as well, clearly not a leader, but it fires its projectiles much more rapidly. El Bobo dodges attacks as best he can and destroys two of the red creatures, but is surrounded and backs into one unknowingly. Pain shoots through him at the point of contact as sharp needle-like barbs stab at his skin. He turns quickly and strikes the damn thing down. Now, only the blue one remains. The pounding sound returns to El Bobo's head and the panic once again sets in. The beast is firing projectiles and he has very small windows of opportunity to move in for a kill. Glancing around, El Bobo sees Dars and a heart pendants that he had overlooked during the mayhem of the battle. He rolls out of the way of the creature's onslaught and reaches for one of the pendants, thankful for the beating sound to cease. Near the pendant he just picked up lies another blue Dar. El Bobo watches in amazement as the thing crumbles away into dust before he has the chance to collect it. The rest of the items soon follow suit. No time to waste staring at things that he cannot change, El Bobo braces himself as the blue beast nears again, this time trying to grab at him and giving up on using its projectiles. It strains and pulls at his shield as its tentacles try in vain to reach around and harm El Bobo. He pushes back hard, causing the creature to nearly topple over and strikes quickly with his blade. The creature recoils with a shriek, then resumes its attack. The blue ones are more resilient, he makes a mental note. El Bobo launches in at the monster and is hit once more by a projectile, but ignores the pounding of his heart and strikes the beast again, finally killing it. A heart pendant falls out of it and El Bobo takes his prize happily and continues north around the mountain. In the distance, El Bobo sees a vast lake and approaches looking to get some water for his flask. A ripple of the water draws El Bobo's attention as he kneels at the water's edge. The water flows slowly into the narrow mouth of the container and another ripple appears in his periphery. El Bobo clutches at his sword, waiting for more of the octopus-like creatures to emerge. Finally, the flask fills with a small bubble breaching the surface. As the bubble pops, a sudden surge of movement breaks the water's surface as a grotesque fish-human hybrid erupts from the depths of the lake. It has pale green skin and large, cold, dead eyes. Its mouth opens wide in a wet roar and a large glob of red bile shoots forth at El Bobo. He falls back in shock and avoids the foul liquid. The creature is too far away to fight off, and El Bobo knows trying to fight it in the water would be a fool's errand. The monstrous creature dips back under the surface and emerges nearby and repeats its attempt at defeating El Bobo. The distance of the attack is enough to help him avoid it and he decides to move on, keeping watch for the water-dwelling beast. El Bobo must now travel east along the shoreline, yet he sees in the center of the lake what appears to be a large fortress among the trees on an island. El Bobo continues dodging the attacks from the lake creature and is soon at the edge of the forest. The ground rumbles beneath his feet and he sees the surface bulge as if something is about to rupture forth. As expected, a new threat emerges. Four long, razor-sharp teeth sit atop a cavernous mouth lined with even more smaller teeth. The size of the creature is hidden beneath the sand that they seem to glide through without effort. El Bobo strikes at the exposed portion which causes the thing to recoil, but it continues its assault. These ones are a bit stronger than the octopus things. Another of the beasts emerges and approaches as the first sinks back beneath the surface. Great, now I have two I need to worry about, and they can hide themselves. A blob of bile sails just past his face. 
I'd forgotten about you. He turns and shouts. The sand creature encircle El Bobo and erupt from the surface, but dodge back beneath the soil whenever he strikes. El Bobo begins moving eastward when he has the opportunity and finally nears the edge of the lake as it curves north. The sand beast emerges beneath El Bobo and grabs hold of his foot, biting hard and sending waves of pain through his leg as the smaller teeth bite into his flesh. El Bobo strikes the damn thing and sends it back as it renews its advance. Swinging wildly, El Bobo connects with the beast and it erupts in a shower of bile and gore. One down! He grins slightly. The other creature emerges nearby and El Bobo sees the water creature send a projectile at him. He decides to try to use this opportunity to use the beast's errant attack to his advantage. El Bobo lures the sand creature into the path of the bile and it connects with a sickening squelch. The skin of the sand beast begins to bubble and burn until it consumes the entirety of the beast and a heart pendant bursts forth from the depths of its form. El Bobo travels north along the lake shore and encounters more octopus creatures. He fells three of the red beasts with these, but is struck from behind by a blue one. That damn pulsing beat throbs in his ears and El Bobo strikes the thing and runs headlong at it while it falls back to land the killing blow. He screams loudly as his sword connects and the blue monster bursts forth a small winged creature. Great, another new thing that wants to kill me. The small thing flutters around until it hears his words. In a small, soft, and soothing voice, it announces itself. I wish not to harm you, only to heal you. I am a fairy who serves the great fairy, emissary of the supreme goddess. The small creature flies around, and as it draws near, El Bobo can see it's a humanoid-looking woman. It lands at his shoulder, and he immediately feels a sense of relief as his muscles relax and feels rejuvenated. The fairy sings a soft tune and smiles. I can now return to my lady. Thank you, El Bobo. She flies up and out of sight. How does she know my name? He wonders. Never mind that. Just a bit further north, El Bobo sees a long bridge extending towards the island that houses the fortress. He braces himself for his toughest battle yet. Nothing bothers him as he crosses the bridge. A single red octopus beast waits for him, guarding the entrance of the fortress. El Bobo is able to dispose of it easily, and he approaches the entrance with caution. It's hard to see beyond the doorway. He takes a deep breath and steps in, sword and shield at the ready. He enters and is met by a room filled with statues of strange-looking beasts. Directly ahead of him, El Bobo sees a large door bound with chains and a large padlock. To the left and right are open doorways leading to adjacent rooms. He decides to trust his instincts and takes the left-hand path. Inside, he sees large bats with wingspans that could envelop him if they wanted to. One of them holds a large brass key firmly in its grasp. The bats take flight, moving erratically and almost seem to bounce off the walls. El Bobo swings swiftly and connects with one of the three and watches as it explodes in a puff of smoke. He searches for the one with the key, but it's staying immobile and just out of reach. El Bobo goes after the easier target, fluttering about and in a stroke of luck manages to hit it with a wide swing of his sword. A heart pendant falls from it after it disappears in a puff of smoke, and El Bobo collects it in hopes he can use it the next time he takes damage, but the pendant disappears regardless. The final bat takes flight and strikes El Bobo in the back and quickly retreats. The winged beast makes attempt after attempt, but El Bobo swings his sword, keeping it away with every near miss. I hate bats, he shouts in frustration. I wish I had something to shoot you down. It flies at him and he decides to punch the creature with his shield which knocks the bat down to the ground as it rolls around in a daze. El Bobo approaches the accursed beast and strikes downward. The key falls from the bat's clutches and he collects it. 
Albobo goes back to the entrance room and decides to check the other open room before proceeding through the locked door. Inside the adjacent room, five animated skeletons march around wielding twin sabers. Aimlessly, they wander the room and duck behind walls. Albobo defends using his shield to repel the abominations and strikes when he can. One blow from the sword is enough to destroy them, but he's quickly surrounded and is hit twice before he can defend. Once more, Elbobo spins on his heel and connects with the three of the remaining foes. The last one has a key lodged in its chest and Elbobo wants it for himself. He rushes the skeleton and bashes it with his shield, knocking it to the ground and he dispatches it and collects the key. Time to progress deeper into the fortress. Elbobo uses a key to unlock the door and the chains fall away. The key crumbles into dust and falls in a pile on the floor at his feet. He enters the next room and sees three more skeletons circling a large wall in the center of the room. They don't appear to be carrying any items, so Obobo decides to bypass the room altogether. In the following room lies more skeletons. Another key can be seen inside the ribcage of one. A couple of the others have undetonated bombs sitting in their chests. Obobo makes his way around the room dispatching them as he moves. He collects the bombs from the defeated skeletons and corners the one with the key. He thinks he senses fear emanating from it and he plunges his sword deep into its skull. Elbobo takes the left hand path again and enters a room with more bats. As he steps into the room, the door behind him slams closed and locks him in. There's a door to his right that is locked. Luckily, he has a key for that. Elbobo moves through the room feeling a bit more confident as he fights off the bats. He unlocks the door and proceeds onward into a room with small moving slimes. They tend to avoid contact with El Bobo so he bypasses them and continues into the open door to his right. Beyond the door lies more slimes. El Bobo dispatches them easily and finds a table with a map lying atop. El Bobo goes through what he sees to be the north door on the map. More skeletons to dispose of, another holding a key to open the locked door across the way. In the next room, El Bobo finds three men wearing strange clothing. They encircle El Bobo and throw boomerangs at him. He defends with his shield and pushes them back individually. One swing from the sword is all it takes to drop the men in defeat. The remaining two become enraged at the loss of their comrade and begin to attack in tandem, throwing their boomerangs that always seem to return no matter which angle they strike. Man, I wish I had one of those. Elbobo pushes back hard and forces one back into the wall. He begins to panic and throws his boomerang erratically and misses. This gives Elbobo enough of an opening to strike, leaving one final opponent. He looks around in a panic, searching for safety, but Elbobo is fed up with the attempt on his life and exacts revenge. The man falls and a key tumbles from his pocket. Elbobo uses it to open the nearby locked door. Within he sees a few bats in a chest. The bats dive bomb him as he races to retrieve the item from the chest. It must be something good if it's in a chest! The bats deflect off his shield as he moves in. The lid of the chest creaks as he opens it. Inside Elbobo finds a bow and arrows. Finally! he exclaims. He quickly rounds on the bats and fires an arrow, piercing one through. It falls to the ground and dissipates in a puff of smoke, taking the arrow with it. Elbobo makes to leave the room, keeping an arrow knocked and ready to dispatch the remaining bats if need be. He makes his way back to the room where he found the map and sees if he continues on to the east there appears to be a treasure. He enters the room and is met with more of the men who wield the boomerang. They seem to be aware of Elbobo's tactics and decide to swarm him. Boomerangs deflect off the shield in a cacophony of blows. No matter how he tries, Elbobo can't seem to find an opening to move in for attack. He decides to make an effort to fight through and takes a boomerang to the face, stunning him just enough for another to sail past him, only to return to its master and strike Elbobo from behind. 
Dazed from the strikes, Elbobo swings hoping he hits something and deflects an oncoming boomerang. It flies back wildly and strikes its original sender knocking him out. The boomerang returns to Elbobo, seemingly choosing him as its new master. Grinning, Elbobo sends the new weapon at the remaining men. His aim true, he fails them both in moments. Beyond this room, Elbobo hears roars emanate from behind a locked door. A single key lies in the room's corner. This seems suspiciously easy, he thinks as he nears the key cautiously. Suddenly, a substance begins to ooze out of the cracks in the walls and forms itself into the shape of a giant hand. It acts of its own will and swipes at Elbobo in an attempt to hold him, or worse. Elbobo dodges. The hand isn't fast, and grabs a key. Now he just needs to get to the door. The hand oozes back into the wall and appears near the door. He clutches Elbobo tightly and drags him back to the entrance without harming him. Damn it! Now I have to make my way back! It's a slog back, but is made easier thanks to the map. In one of the rooms, the map shows an X on one of the walls. Elbobo investigated the wall where the X was drawn. He could feel air moving through small cracks and see a faint light coming through. Elbobo placed the bomb and lit the fuse. The explosion cleared the wall and revealed a path into the room that held the map. Could have used this shortcut earlier. Oh well. Elbobo makes his way back to the room with the hand creature and strikes it down as it takes form. It mounts away, revealing another fairy. Beyond here lies the guardian. Let me heal your body. Take care, Elbobo. His wounds fade as the fairy flies away. Ready to face his toughest challenge, Elbobo steals himself and unlocks the door. Inside the large room beyond the now open door, the roars of a large beast echo. Elbobo enters, sword and shield at the ready. The beast stands three times taller than Elbobo. Its hide is scaly and reptilian. The dragon-like creature sees Elbobo and immediately lets out a deafening roar and fires a volley of spheres made out of pure molten stone. Elbobo dodges as one sails past and quickly cools as it strikes the wall behind him. Elbobo spends a few moments studying the beast's attack pattern before he realizes that the cooling stone is making the room smaller by the moment. Elbobo must act quickly. He pulls out his bow and fires an arrow at the creature. The arrow deflects off its hard scales and Elbobo curses softly. Nearing the beast is difficult due to the erratic nature of the beast's movements. The beast lunges in to bite and Elbobo slashes at it with his sword. His blade sinks past the scales and into soft flesh. The beast recoils and redoubles its attacks even more erratically. The wall is closing in and Elbobo must think quickly. Suddenly it dawns on him. He can toss a bomb over to deal a massive amount of damage. He lights one and rolls it toward the beast. Its momentum carries it directly into the creature and it explodes under its soft belly. The dragon beast roars loudly in pain and it rears back and charges at Elbobo. He dodges the brunt of the attack but is struck hard by the hind leg as the beast rams the wall. Elbobo is bleeding badly but quickly regains his composure. The dragon is lodged in the wall, its horns stuck in a crevasse. Elbobo is feeling weak but rushes in and begins wildly slashing at the creature's soft belly. It cries out in pain with each attack and thrashes about. Elbobo uses his waning strength to slash ever more frantically until the beast stops thrashing. Behind where the beast stood, a door can be heard sliding open. The death cries of the beast fade from the room. His vision beginning to fade, Elbobo struggles toward the newly opened door, hoping to find some form of help. A large heart-shaped stone rises from a hidden chamber beneath where the monster stood. Elbobo approaches it and clasps his hand onto it. He feels a surge of energy as his wounds heal magically. His right forearm begins to burn and he moves his sleeve to see a heart-shaped welt appear, then another, 
and another, and finally a fourth one until it stops. El Bobo stands, invigorated in his victory, and presses on toward the door. In the room beyond lies a golden trinket. It's shaped like a pyramid and radiates light. El Bobo retrieves the relic and hears a voice call out to him from within his mind. El Bobo, please continue your journey and retrieve the remaining relics to break the seal imprisoning me. Only then can we fight together to defeat the evil King Gonor. El Bobo exits the fortress, his quest having renewed purpose. He's only just beginning this grand quest to free the kingdom of Highmore. Josh I hate to see people in distress. I just want everyone to be okay. Yes, everyone. I hate to see war and aggression. People shouldn't have to die because someone doesn't like someone else. Life would be so much easier for everyone if we could just all get along. I hear it all the time. You sound like a wimp. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I understand that violence is never going to go away, but I'm tired of seeing the hurt. It hurts me to hear of death and destruction. I feel a wave of sadness wash over me to hear or see it. People, animals, insects, plants. Just let everyone be. Do whatever makes you happy. Just don't hurt anyone. I will do what I can to make sure others are having a good life. I bought groceries for people when their credit cards were declined. I don't care about the gratitude. I just can't watch someone go hungry. If someone comes to my home, they don't leave hungry. No one goes hungry on my watch. I bought food for homeless people, giving them my lunch or a bottle of water or soda from my bag. I've been hungry before and I didn't like it. I don't want people to feel that too. One thing I won't do is give donations at grocery store checkouts. Whether they actually donate or not isn't the issue. It's that they use those donations to get tax breaks so they can continue to profit, all while refusing to raise living wages for the people they employ. If you donate to a corporation because you think it's easier, you're missing the point of donations. It shouldn't be what's more convenient for you. I learned compassion from my grandmother. She was the right kind of Catholic. She was never judging of others and believed with all her heart that everyone is a child of God and deserves kindness and compassion. She always taught me to treat everyone like I would treat her. I've done my best to keep it up for her memory. I hope someday others will do the same. My mother kept that tradition going as I grew up. She wanted me to be kind, even to those who would bully me. Not that she didn't encourage me to stand up for myself. She actually encouraged me to hit some of them sometimes. I think I did pretty well without needing to resort to violence. When I grew older, I never had any issues with people thanks to it. I've taken in friends to help them detox, friends that just needed a place to crash. I just want everyone to be okay. It's honestly what helps me sleep at night. Other things in my life haven't been the greatest, so I need to help others avoid it. When I was younger, I would have nightmares. I began losing weight. Anxiety ruled everything I would do. I began to cope with drugs and alcohol. It was a mess. In order to sleep, my mind finally just wouldn't let me dream. If I do dream, it's immediately expelled from my mind. Like, even in my dreams, I would forget what had just happened. It's really weird. 
but it helps. Recently though, I've started having vivid dreams. I can even recall them now. I'm in a field. It's cool and sunny. The grass is getting taller each time I dream it, like a series of dreams that are interconnected. Each time I dream, I see a new person enter the field. They seem familiar, but not. Like I know them, but I can't place from where. They begin speaking to the sky, one by one. The ones that aren't talking are looking around and taking in their surroundings. I've lived this dream so many times and have memorized all the details. This time I hear a voice. Someone is in need of help and I can help them if I come to this field on March 27th of 2023. I agree to be there immediately. I have a chance to help someone in need and it's not going to cost me a thing to be helpful to someone who needs it. I go about my days leading up to the date as normal. I try my best to help out friends and co-workers. I take calls from distressed friends to try to talk to them through their issues. I don't want anyone to feel like they're alone. It's a hard path to walk. Weeks pass with the same dream becoming a bit more complex. I notice small details in the faces of the others that are there and try to find out who they are and why they're there. They seem to be aware I'm there, but can't quite communicate. When I see them open their mouths, I hear silence when they form words. I think we're all here for the same reason. But why would there be a need for 11 identical looking people to be in a field on some specific date? The voice speaks of her needing my help. I've heard it so many times already, I think nothing of it at this point. I don't wake from the dream this time at the same moment I usually do and I hear more. Not just her, but they. Multiple. I ask for more details but get no reply. I'm okay with helping people, but how am I supposed to help these people? I know nothing about them or their problems. For a moment, I feel a sense of self-doubt. I've never felt this before. I've always been confident in my ability to help others. I wake and begin preparing for possibly needing to board someone in my home. Along with my son, I prepare the spare room in my house and we spend our free time cleaning up. The day is quickly approaching and I need to get over this doubt. I can be there to help, along with the others, hopefully, to help. I will do my best. Those were our stories for this week. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time for more It Could Have Been Worse.